We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome into a very special edition of the Pack a Day podcast. This is episode six hundred and seven. I am your host, Andy Herman. I have a very special guest joining me today. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Carly Churches. I have a specific tweet that we're going to get to in just a moment from August 2nd, 2018, as to why Carly is joining me today. Uh, but before I get to that, Carly, welcome to this special edition of the Packaday Podcast. Hi. Thank you for having me. Um, as Andy said, I'm Carly Churches, and I'm 22 years old, born and raised in Wisconsin. I currently live in Waukesha, Wisconsin, and I've been... Uh, Wisconsin sports and Packers fan ever since I was little. So, I mean, Wisconsin sports are pretty much my entire life. <laughs> Perfect. And that's exactly why I wanted to have you on. So let me get to that that tweet and kind of our, our episode for today. So I am officially titling this the Drunk Packers Podcast. Um, I'm assuming you've been drinking a little bit because I have been drinking a lot. <laughs> yes, I'm about uh, two glasses of wine deep, and I have plenty of beers uh, lined up for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> Perfect. So what, what's your, first of all, what's your weapon of choice right now? What are, what are you drinking as we speak? Right now, in true Wisconsin fashion, I am drinking a PBR. Oh, that's a, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I am, I had to go with Hinterland. Uh, so since it's, uh, you know, right on the Packers property, I am drinking, uh, I finished a six pack already. I am going for a Hinterland Door County Cherry Wheat as we speak to kind of cap things off and as we record the podcast today. So uh, that's my weapon of choice as we speak. But the reason I wanted to do this podcast is there's obviously a lot of crazy stuff going on right now. I'm probably going to say crazy shit as we go on because uh, it is. Uh, this has been a uh, G to PG level podcast uh, forever, but uh, today we're going to uh, unbutton the top button a little bit and get a little crazy. Uh, with everything that's going on, everything's so serious, I wanted to have some fun, and you tweeted out something on August 2nd of 2018. You tweeted, I would like to get drunk and talk about the Packers and football with people. Is that too much to ask for? And I, I kid you not, uh, that tweet at the time was like an inspiration for me. I wanted to start a Drunk Packers podcast based off of like drunk history. I'm assuming you've seen Drunk History? I have, yeah. 
Okay, so I wanted to start, based off of that tweet, a Drunk Packers podcast where I did like a once-a-week podcast. I would bring somebody on. We would just get totally hammered. It didn't necessarily have to be a pack or like a history-based you know, topic, but just a Packers topic in general, and we'd get drunk and we'd talk about it. That was my inspiration, and I have not had the opportunity to do it because I'm way too busy, uh, but I figured with everything that's going on right now, today would be the perfect day to do a Drunk Packers podcast. I'm going to try to do do this completely unedited so that sober Andy cannot edit uh, drunk <laughs> Andy um, and that we can kind of do this just for fun. But thank you for the inspiration. And that's why I wanted to have you on today. You're welcome. And yeah, getting drunk and talking about Packers and sports are my two favorite things. So I'm glad I could be a part of this. <laughs> Fantastic. So let's have some fun. Let's enjoy this. Uh, I hope everyone else can enjoy it as well. I, and again, I think for most people who have followed me for some time now, know I stay pretty professional. My day job is in human resources, so I kind of just have that human resources professionalism in mind when I do things. But like I said, today is going to be a little bit different. This might be the first time we get an explicit rated on the you know rating on this podcast. That's okay. Screw it. We're going to have fun. So let's start off. I asked a lot of different fans today for some topics that would be fun to discuss on a Drunk Packers podcast, and I thought there were some really great responses, and I'm so uh, you know excited to get into all of these. But I want to start with the Mount Rushmore of favorite Packers. Now, I think everyone and their mom has had the discussion of who the best Packers are and who, who those four personalities should be, whether it's Vince Lombardi or Bart Starr, Brett Favre, and Rogers, Curly Lambeau, whatever we want to put on that Mount Rushmore of best Packers. Packers personalities, but who are your favorite Packers personalities, your four favorites that you would put up on Mount Rushmore? That one, yeah, that that's a, a question I struggled a lot with because it's so hard to pick four Packers, but I feel like how I looked at it was I had to pick at least one quarterback, one defensive player, um, one wide receiver, maybe one running back, kind of like change it up. I for sure would put Reggie White in Mount Rushmore, because even though I wasn't really around during his time, I still think he's, uh, like, the greatest, one of the greatest Packers of all time, and pretty much everyone loves him, so you can't really go wrong with him. I'd probably, uh, see, between, like, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, I would probably put Brett Favre over Aaron Rodgers. Hot takes um, coming in. Yeah. Yeah, it's that, that's hard. It's a hard topic, um, but probably Reggie White, Brett Favre, um, maybe Donald Driver, and then I feel like I have to put someone from Super Bowl One. so I think I would put Max McGee because he was kind of the hero of the game, and I just absolutely love how he didn't even want to play the game because he was so hungover. Like, I just love that. <laughs> I love it, and I think your list is going to trump my list. Uh, you know, you, you put way too much more thought, uh, effort, and energy into this list than what I did. Um, so I went with just my peer four favorite players as I got to kind of watch them play. So I kind of stuck to players that I, I kind of grew up watching or, or have, have watched in my, in my lifetime. Um, and, they, and it wasn't necessarily the best Packers. It wasn't necessarily the, the standout players. It was just ones that I could tune into every Sunday and just enjoy watching football. And I want to give four honorable mentions, first of all, because uh, Nick Collins, William Henderson, Brett Favre, and Greg Jennings all would have been on this list as well, uh, but they just kind of missed the cut. For me, the the four that I have just loved watching, the first one is Amon Green. So for me, uh, having Amon Green uh, be kind of, you know, Dorsey Levins, Edgar Bennett were really good running backs, but they weren't dominant players at the position, and I don't necessarily know that they always had uh, a great offensive line to run behind. So while they were enjoyable to watch, uh, growing up it was always very much a pass-happy, Brett Favre-oriented offense. So when, uh, when Amon Green came along, and for the first time kind of in my lifetime, they had just this amazing running back, an amazing running game, 2,000-yard rusher that they could lean on, that was just it was something totally new for me. So Amon Green was just a joy to watch. Um, and then three players from the 2010 Super Bowl run in the same back, defensive backfield uh, also made it, and that's Sam Shields, Tremont Williams, and Charles Woodson. And I just loved watching those three play together. Um, okay. For Sam Shields, you know, just being a player that 
uh, they needed as a rookie to come in. He was playing wide receiver at Miami. He comes in as a rookie. They transition him to corner. I mean, this would be KB and Ento for the Packers this year came in as a rookie and made the transition to corner. That would be like him being a starting defensive back this season and all of a sudden, you know, helping lead the team to the Super Bowl and playing really well along the way. That was what Sam Shields was in his rookie season and then had a tremendous career. Uh, Tremont Williams, I thought, was just like a shutdown corner during that run and has just had uh, just another really fun ride throughout his career in Green Bay. And then, you know, hopefully has, you know, we'll get to end it in Green Bay is kind of my hope. And and then Charles Woodson, it kind of took me a minute to realize that there was this Hall of Fame cornerback defensive back that was playing for the Packers. Like it took me a season to really realize like, oh shit, Charles Woodson is a Packer. And then, it, you know, as, as things kind of clicked and, and he had that tremendous run also kind of during the, the Super Bowl season, uh, that it was just so fun to watch. So those are my four favorites to kind of watch during my lifetime. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Sam Shields because he's one of my all-time favorite Packers ever. And like my my most prized possession is my Sam Shields jersey that I got signed. I met him at um, a training camp. Nice. Yeah, like as he was leaving, like everyone like stopped him because I was the only one pretty much wearing a Sam Shields jersey and he was in this like dark green jeep and everyone just stopped him and he got out of his car <laughs> to take a picture with me and like signed my jersey and it was like the happiest day of my life so I agree with your list <laughs> all right perfect well again I think it's always interesting to put together a favorite list again I think people could debate who you know the best for for a while but I think everyone has their own list of favorite Packers and I think we both put two pretty good lists together mm-hmm. the next topic that I wanted to discuss is your favorite all-time Packers season. So just a season from maybe beginning to end that you enjoyed maybe more than than any other specific season. I mean, I feel like being 22 years old, I have to say 2010 when they won the Super Bowl and went on their their just great journey to to get to the top. There's really no other season for me besides also I really liked 2016 as well. Starting starting four and six, ending ten and six, the run the table season. I'd probably say those two are my favorite, but I mean, without a doubt, it was twenty ten. <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to agree with your answers so far more than what my answers are. And I think probably the big reason that people may disagree with me on this one is because of the ending of the season. But the 2007 Packers, the the group that went 13-3, and beat the Seahawks in the divisional round and then uh, lost to the Giants in that heartbreaker in the NFC Championship game. Of course, Favre's last pass as a Packer to Corey Webster in overtime that was just crushing and heartbreaking. But that season for me... I think for a really long time, and again, you want to talk about whether it's Entitled Town or whatever it is, I really, I think the advent of my Packer fandom really came, or the start of it was in 1992. Uh, when I was, you know, when I really started watching it more closely, I was about nine years old at that time, and that was literally Brett Favre's, you know, entrance onto the scene. So I went from 1992 up until that 2007, really with expectations of playoffs every single season, if not a potential Super Bowl opportunity every single season. And that 2007 season um, was one of those ones that going into it, there was not a lot of expectations for the Packers. I mean, they basically didn't have a running back. Deshaun Wynn, a seventh-round pick, kind of started the season. I think Vernon Morency, I mean, they, they didn't have a running game. They they were just kind of getting into the Mike McCarthy era. They were just kind of supposed to start putting things together a little bit. And to have that season where Brett Favre kind of, you know, revitalized his career, had kind of his one last hurrah in Green Bay, they go 13-3. and three. They erased all expectations. They have one of the most epic games in that Seattle Snowball game. That I, I know it didn't end the way that any of us would have liked it to, but th- that season, for so many reasons, was just a really fun ride along the way, because uh, mostly because of that lack of expectations going into it. Yeah, and I feel like nobody expected that team to, to make it that far and have that strong of a team. I feel like that was a super complete team in like all aspects of the field, so... Yeah, I'm 100% with you, and I think that was that was a really fun season. They, again, it, it didn't end the way that uh, anyone would have liked it to. Uh, there's certainly some, some moments in that New York Giants game that I think a lot of people would have liked to have. Actually, let me ask you this, because uh, I think this is a really fun topic of, uh, like, what would have happened if – would Green Bay have won that game had Aaron Rodgers started it is always a really fun topic for me. Now, he had the one game against Dallas – 
uh, kind of in his career up until that point where he showed out well. Um, the next season, when he started his first season, he played well, but this was not exactly the Aaron Rodgers that we grew accustomed to, like MVP level season. But Brett Favre mm-hmm. did not play well in that New York Giants game at all. And I always go back, and there's there's rumors and stories that. McCarthy thought about benching Favre and putting in Rodgers like would it have changed anything and would they have gotten to the Super Bowl if Aaron Rodgers either started or got into that game if Brett Favre was benched that's that's one of the great all-time what-if questions for me as a Packers fan yeah that's a tough question I've never thought about that um I would I would say no and I don't know if I'm just saying that to make myself feel better but I feel like I feel like Aaron Rodgers, like, during the start of his career, I like, under that kind of pressure, I feel like he wouldn't have done that much better than Brett Favre, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I think it's, it would have it would have been a lot of expectations. It's one of those that you know I think is just so fun to discuss because you know if, you know it's, it's tough to see you know things going worse than what they ended up being. So it's like, of course, you had Aaron Rodgers on the bench. What would have happened in that situation? But uh, I, you know, theoretically, things could have been a lot worse. Maybe they didn't even make it to overtime in the first place. So um, I, I think it's one of those always we'll never know, but it's it's fun topic for discussion no matter what. Yeah, that game was tough, though. That's got to be one of the worst games of all time, the ending. I remember I was at my grandma's house in Green Bay. I was only, like, 11, but I remember watching that game, and it was it was brutal. My parents went to that game. I think my dad got frostbite during that game, and his beard completely froze. It was, like, a slushy. It was so cold, and he came home, and I I hid from him because I didn't even want to, like, look at him or talk to him because I knew he was going to be so upset, and it was a horrible car ride back home to Waukesha. <laughs> well, one of, the, one of the topics we had for later, but I think we can just transition to it right now, is coldest Packer game that you've ever attended. And for me, that was I was at that game as well, and that was by far the coldest game that I had ever attended. I literally had... Um, you know, heating those, uh, like, hand warmers, I had those <laughs> all over me. Like, I had them, like, taped to my shirt, taped to my pa- – like, I had them taped everywhere. I was, like, basically like a walking, uh, like, taped-on set of hand warmers all over. So uh, I somehow stayed uh, okay where I didn't get frostbite, but I had to drive back to Madison later that night, and my now wife was in the car with me, and I literally had the heat at, like, 95 the entire time, like, driving all the way to Madison, and she was ready to just flat murder me. She's like, I am going to pass out of exhaustion if you do not turn the heat down, and I'm like, we're not turning the heat down. So it was a very, very cold game. Yeah, I read that. That's, like, the top one of the top three coldest games of all times at Lambeau Field, I think. Something yeah, no, like for that. sure. It was. It, I think it was top one or two. Uh, you know, Ice Bowl and that one, I think, were the top two. But I certainly could be wrong. Um, did you have a game that you've attended that was that was coldest for you? Um, I think I've gotten pretty lucky with going to games. Um, they're usually not super cold, but in 2018, I went to the Packers versus Cardinals game, and it was cold because it was in December. But the it wasn't like freezing temperatures but like the weather was just absolutely disgusting it was like thick heavy snow by the time we even walked to Lambo, everyone was just completely drenched so you're freezing the entire time because like all of your clothes your snow pants everything are just soaked and the game itself was just horrible too so that just made it even worse I feel like the way the Packers played towards the end of that game just kind of made the game so much longer and just dragged on and yeah, I was freezing during that game. But the only good thing is that Mike McCarthy ended his career in Green Bay, got fired after that game, which is the only bonus of that game. But losing on a, a field goal at the last second to the Cardinals was horrible. Um, but other than that, no, I haven't really experienced, like, a negative 25 wind chill kind of game yet so I have, I've gotten pretty lucky there's actually one game I think it was against the Buccaneers where kickoff it was like 49 degrees in December I forgot what year that was but it was so nice out like people were like in t-shirts like enjoying a beer watching the game it was so funny so I've gotten lucky with cold Packers games 
Well, going back to that Cardinals game, and you hit the nail right on the head. I was at that game as well. That game was cold, but it was frigid because of, like you said, how they played that game. Like, it just was a a brutal game to watch as a fan. I, and I probably wouldn't tell this story if I had not had a few beers in me because some people are not going to be too happy about this. But that is the single only time in my life where I had wanted that field goal, like where I wanted the Packers at the end basically to lose that game. Like I wanted that field goal to miss for Mason Crosby because that season to me had been such a disappointment and that that, that game was kind of the, the like what I felt needed to be the instrument of chaos to kind of kick off what would be a new era and a new regime in Green Bay. And I just felt like if all of a sudden Green Bay came back and won that game and all of a sudden went on a little bit of a, a run-the-table run at the end of the season and got into the playoffs and somehow like lost in the first round again or something like that, like everything maybe would have just stayed status quo. And I just, like as the game was going on, that kept running through my head. And maybe it was just the freezing cold temperatures and how everyone played at that game, but like it's not like I was celebrating up and down when Mason right. Cosby missed the kick to, to, to lose the game, but there was definitely a part of me that's just like, just miss the kick. Let this be it. Let's move forward after this. Let's start something new. And it, that's exactly what happened. As you mentioned, that was Mike McCarthy's last game, as most people know. And it, that's exactly what happened. You know, Matt LaFleur came in. We got a new regime. It was something fresh. It was something refreshing, not only for the team, but for the fans, for the environment at Lambeau, for anyone that was there last year. Like, it was absolutely needed. And that's what I was feeling in that game and that frigid cold, even though it was probably like 30 degrees. It was frigid cold because of how the game was played. Yeah, that that whole game just felt depressing from start to finish. Like, there was no fun atmosphere at all just because of that season and the weather and just, like, everyone knew if we were doomed. Like, we just needed change. And, like, that was a very sad game to go to, in my opinion. No, I'm 100% with you. All right, let's move to a more uh, uplifting topic. And that's... (laughs) Well, that's a, what should the Packers do in the remainder of free agency? Is there a player or two that you, you really have your eye on that you would like to see the Packers still get in free agency? Um, not really. I don't know. I kind of uh, – Sanders I kind of wanted just because I feel like it would be good for the Packers to get like a more veteran wide receiver – but yeah, free agency. I I don't know how you feel about re-signing Clay Matthews, but I'm always I don't know. I'm I always like when longtime Packers come back to the team or like I. So if if we signed Clay Matthews, I feel like for for cheap enough, nothing crazy. I feel like he having him would be good to like teach younger you know, like, linebackers to come to, like, his ways and whatnot, but I wouldn't be devastated if he didn't come back. I really I just want a good wide receiver. That's it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I'll touch on Clay Matthews for just a second. So, um, you know, when that news initially broke that he was released, um, you know, I, I definitely didn't think that it would be a possibility that he would have back, that he would be back. And let me, you know, the reason why I thought that is there was a lot of discussion this past season how there was a new attitude and a new era on defense with the players that were coming in with Darius Smith and Adrian Amos and Preston Smith and that and that entire group. And there were veiled shots from the locker room from some players that were uh, about some players that were no longer on the team and no names were mentioned um, but it was kind of taking a shot at some of the players that were no longer with the team and they felt like it was a needed change uh, in the dynamic of the locker room and on the field from the leaders that were here in the past to the leaders that are here now in Green Bay and that could very well have been about Mike Daniels you know that could have been about Clay Matthews that could have been about you know a number of different players but I just felt like the reason that Green Bay moved on and the overarching feeling in the locker room was that they replaced some of the players on defense that no longer fit 
within that mold, within the, the boundaries of that locker room, and they replace those players with new, better, more motivating personalities. Now, like I said, I have no inside information on that. I'm not saying that Clay Matthews was definitively one of those people that, um, you know, they were talking about. Uh, it could have very well been other players, but I did kind of get that, ex- you know, that, that uh, impression. So that's why I originally thought, no, it's just a pure play on the field kind of standpoint. I mean, I said going into to the Rams last year, if they could find a way to play him 20 to 25 snaps per game, you know, you can use maybe, you know, seven, eight, nine of those snaps as, a, as an edge rusher, you know, maybe another eight to 10, you know, as a, you know, an off-ball linebacker where you can kind of run and chase a little bit. I still think if you can limit him to 20 or less snaps per game on a, on a pretty veteran-friendly contract, I think there there could be potentially a place for him. I think Christian Kirksey, you know, maybe even Oren Burks take some of those snaps as well, but it's not like they are rich at the inside linebacker position. So if they want to give him another shot there and they want to bring him in for a, a veteran-friendly deal, I'm okay with it, assuming that that dynamic within the locker room fits with what it has turned into with kind of the, the Zedarius and Preston and Amos regime mm-hmm. kind of coming in over this last year. Yeah, and – between last year and this past season, I feel like the the dynamic dynamic like on the field and off the field and locker room has just changed so much. Like, it, yeah, it's just a whole younger vibe. Like with the Smith brothers and Lafleur and everything. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he did come back. Like, like I said, I wouldn't be heartbroken if he didn't. I think it would just be not the worst thing in the world if he did come back. But like I said, for cheap. Like I'm not. I don't want to sign him for a ton of money. <laughs> yeah, you would think it would have to be some sort of, uh, not maybe not veteran minimum, but probably not far off with maybe some you know incentives kicked in there if you were to do very very well or something like that. But no, I'm with you there. As far as I go, uh, you know I've said all off season I really want to see them address the defensive line and, and really all the top defensive line free agents are now off the market. I mean I guess you could mm-hmm. say. You know, Jadavian Clowney's out there. I do not see Green Bay uh, getting Jadavian Clowney, um, nor do I necessarily think that he's the type of player that they need as like a run-stuffing player in the right. middle of their defense. You know, there's two left. Shelby Harris from Denver would be somewhat intriguing, but even he probably leans a little bit more pass rusher than he does as pure run defender. Um, he can kind of hang as a run defender, and you can kind of play him on a variety of different downs, and, and he has some versatility there, but I, I still don't know that that necessarily fits what I thought Green Bay needed. The one player that's left that you know piques my interest still a little bit is Damian, Damon Snacks Harrison uh, from the Lions. And you go back, and his last year with the Lions, he was not the same guy. He just a million percent was not the same guy. And I think you have to bank a little bit on that being the anomaly and that that was just an off season. Mike Daniels had an off season last year in Detroit. Like, a lot of players had off seasons in Detroit last year. I think Green Bay's banking that Rick Wagner, who also had an off season in Detroit last year, was another one of those players that can bounce back and have a better season coming to Green Bay this year. If you you get if you get like legit snacks Harrison on the interior of that defensive line like you know all the the 49 the, the 49ers the Chargers the Eagles um, all the teams that ran on Green Bay and uh, you know Green Bay couldn't stop it if you get you know really good snacks Harrison like that's done like he fixes that problem so you're taking a little bit of a gamble you're taking a little bit of a risk but they did that already with Christian Kirksey they did that already with Rick Wagner and I think if they do one more or they get that you know snacks Harrison and he can be really just that space eater in the middle of the defensive line, that's a player that I would really like to see them still go after in free agency. Mm-hmm. So with the draft, would you rather see the Packers choose a wide receiver or an off- offensive tackle first? Or does Ooh. it just depend who yeah, is still great, available? Great question. I think it very much is going to depend on still you know who's available. I will say this. I do think that it's a very deep wide receiver draft, and I think they can get somebody in the second round, even the third round, maybe even the fourth round, that can come in and potentially make an impact. I think if you take a look at everything, I think everything's uh, a round up. So I think you're, you'd you know, potentially be able to get some guys in the second round that would normally be first-round receivers. Like you'd you know, get some guys in the third round that would normally be second-round receivers. So I think there's some talent there that they can get later in the draft. 
And even if they went out and spent a second and third round pick on wide receiver, I think they can really aggressively attack that position. Um, I, I do not think the same can be said about offensive tackle. There's some there's some decent depth, but I think if a, if a Josh Jones type player is there, you know, and they have the ability to take him at right tackle, I, I think Rick Wagner's a stopgap. I think he can get back to playing pretty solid football this season. But I think ideally, you know, bringing in some you know potential competition and a guy that can really press him and a guy that could really take his spot either next year or the following year once he's, his contract is up, I, I think would be a really great opportunity for Green Bay to, to address that position. And let's not kid ourselves either. You know, Aaron Rodgers is a player who needs to have a lot of time in the pocket. He is not a three-step drop and get the you know get rid of the ball type of quarterback. He's a seven-step drop, and then I'm going to dance around for another 38 steps, and then I'll get rid of the football type of quarterback. So uh, you have to have tackles that can protect for long periods of time. I think if they find that type of player that they can get at the end of round one, they'd probably be smart to address it at that point. Right. How about you? I feel like the Packers really thrive in the later rounds, too, for some reason. I feel like, I mean, I love watching the draft, and, like, the first few rounds are always, like, the most exciting just to, like, see which players fall and which players go first. But I feel like the Packers make the biggest moves towards the later rounds. I don't know if that's just me, but that's just kind of what I think. So I'm, I'm not stressing too much about the draft right now. Yeah, I think that's probably the smart way to look at it. And uh, I think, you know, any any stress that's here on March 22nd when the season hopefully doesn't, you know, start until September, hopefully it starts in September, I should say, uh, right. you know, I think it's, it's a little bit premature, but uh, there's a lot of time left and uh, they have an opportunity to improve their team still via free agency and, of course, via the draft as well. And, and I think Brian Gutekunst has earned, uh, the, you know, the trust of Packer fans at this point that he's going to put them in a good spot to be successful moving forward. Um, let's go a little bit lightning round for these next couple questions. What is the best Packers game that you've ever attended? Um, so I have not attended many playoff Packers games, but I think the best one that I can think of like off the top of my head was 2015 Packers versus Seahawks because I can't just like I absolutely hate the Seahawks so much and just to see the Packers beat them in person was just great for me and like I said I haven't been able to see live uh too many playoff games or any at all so just seeing the Packers beat the Seahawks and get kind of their redemption over them was kind of the cherry on top because I feel like every few years the Packers have that one team for like two, three years that they cannot beat. And I feel like for the longest time, it was the Seahawks. And to see them beat the Seahawks that year was just great for me. So... Yeah, and we're we're on the same page, same team, different year. Uh, the best game I was ever at was also Packers Seahawks, but it was that twenty uh, two thousand seven divisional round game in the the Snow Bowl. Uh, you know where they do, go down fourteen nothing early, and just just this magical game. Uh, you know the Wisconsin Pep Band was in the stadium, like. Uh, you know, they, they kept leaning on Ryan Grant. You know, you've got Favre throwing snowballs. Like, just everything in that game was a degree of magical. And there, I would be hard-pressed to imagine that there will ever be a game that I will ever be at again that will be as fun as that. It was just uh, this ultimate fun game that I, I, I wish I could live over and over and over and over because, the, the, uh, yeah, it was just a, a beautiful game to be at. Right. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a pretty young Packers fan, so I'm excited to see what, what more – games I can attend in the future that are going to be great because I didn't start I think my very first Packers game I went to was either 2010 or 2011 so I feel like I got to I missed out on a lot of in-person games like yeah, that, but. You've, got a, you've got a long time ahead of you. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so that being said, though, what's the best Packers moment that you've seen that you've seen live? Just one play, one moment that you've seen that you just you know you remember it like like it was yesterday. Like, uh, when I was, like, at the game or just, like, in like watching on TV, just that I can uh, remember? Either one. I'll, I'll let you go with whatever direction you want to go on that one. Um, I have I have quite a few, but I would say definitely the Hail Mary in Detroit was probably, I don't know, I think it just because it stunned me so much. Like, I remember after it happened, I was watching with my dad in our living room, I think, like, just the, our living was so dark because we were so sad because we were losing the entire 60 minutes of the game. Yep. 
and we thought we were going to lose. And then it's just out of nowhere, he gets, Aaron Rodgers gets his free play, and I'm like, there's no way. Like, I'm not going to even get my hopes up. There's no way he's going to do anything with this free play. And then he does, and I, like, after they confirm it's a touchdown and we won, my dad, like, runs over to me and hugs me, and I'm, like, shaking so badly. I'm, like, convulsing. <laughs> it's so, it was so sad how, like, excited I was about this game. And it, uh, I I just remember that day so clearly. But that, the Super Bowl, um, Mason Crosby's game winner against the Cowboys in 2017, sure. uh, Matt Flynn defeating the Cowboys, I don't know what, how you feel about Matt Flynn, but, like, I will absolutely defend Matt Flynn until the day I die. <laughs> oh, love Matt Flynn. That, that game against the Cowboys and his six-touchdown performance, both of them just phenomenal Packers lore moments. Right, and, like, what, some, like, 299 yards he passed? Some, it's just crazy. I love no, Matt I... Flynn. And then I have, yeah, a whole list of happy Packers moments. And then B.J. Raji's interception against the Bears. That was uh, in his little, like, hip dance. I just loved that. Um, also, top three game, 2018 Packers, 17-point comeback against the Bears. That was – I remember at halftime during that game, I just, like, went into my bedroom, laid down, just stared at the ceiling, and I was like, why? Why am I a Packers fan? Like, why <laughs> is Aaron Rodgers hurt? Why is this happening to me? And – and then that the rest of that game happened, and it was just mind blowing. But I, I have a lot of happy moments, so there's there's just a few of them. <laughs> yeah, no, those are a lot of great ones. And yeah, I mean that that Packers Bears game where Rodgers went out and then came back at halftime. That I was at that game as well, and that's just one of those surreal games to be at, where he, you know, he just. Yeah, it's just absolutely magical game where, you know, he leads them back and uh, just every moment of that second half was beautiful in every way, shape and form. Um, I'll, I kind of separated these into two different categories. Uh, the ones that, <clears throat> excuse me, the ones that um, I was at live and then the ones that I saw on TV. So happiest Packers moment that I saw on TV the Tremont Williams pick six against the Falcons on the way to the Super Bowl. Like that, that's of all moments where I freaked out the most as a fan, the Tremont Williams pick six against Atlanta before halftime, I literally like lifted a chair above my head. And then it was just like, I don't even know how to explain what I was doing. It was ridiculous, but I was just like overjoyed in the moment. And uh, that was number one. Uh, Rodgers to Jennings in the Super Bowl, all the, you know, that all but sealed the win um, in the same Super Bowl that Jarrett Bush interception. Like, th- one of my favorite things as a fan is, like, let, let's not, like, sugarcoat it here. People hated Jarrett Bush for the most part uh, throughout <laughs> the majority of that season and, like, the season before. So for, like, and, and he was always a really good special teams player, but, like, any time he saw the field, there was, like, a um, like a combined groan from, like, Packers fans. of like, oh, Jarrett Bush is on the field. So for, like, for that guy in that moment, like, everyone on the defensive backfield is getting hurt. Charles Woodson goes out hurt. He gets in the game, and in the biggest game of his career, like, he intercepts a pass to help them win a Super Bowl. Like, those are the stories and those are the moments that I just absolutely love as a fan. So, um you know, you talk about, like, how the, the Brandon Bostic moment of, like, this, this guy that, like, everyone didn't like, and, you know, he has the, the moment where, you know, he loses the game. Like, this is, to me, like, the opposite of that. Like, Jared Bush comes in, he's this maligned, you know, player in the, in the, the eyes of fans, and he comes in and he makes this epic interception in a Super Bowl to help them win the game. That's one of mine. And then uh, just Rodgers, McCarthy, and Thompson holding that Super Bowl trophy at the end of that, the Packers-Steelers 2010 Super Bowl. I think everyone, there had really been two camps. There had been the camp that supported Favre and was like, screw the Packers, I'm with Brett Favre. Like, there were literally people walking around in, in, in Lambeau Field with Vikings Favre jerseys on. Like, you know, there was, the, there was the Favre contingent that's like, I'm Team Favre no matter what, screw the Packers. And then there was the group of people that's like, you know, I'm, a, you know, I'm Packers no matter what. Um, and I, you know, I liked Brett Favre, but I'm sorry, he went to, to the Vikings and, and that's not, you know, I'm not cool with that anymore. And I was uh, through and through, you know, I, I thought that Ted Thompson made the hardest decision of any, uh, you know, general manager, maybe in football history by basically saying like, I'm going to trade away 
Brett Favre, this face of a town, like a face of a state. Like let's not like the Bucks and Brewers weren't good at that. Like he was mm-hmm. Brett Favre was the face of the state of Wisconsin and right. had been everything for this state, everything for the city. To say that like he like to say that he was going to move on from him and stick with his convictions because he felt like Aaron Rodgers was the better long term play and that he was going to get basically like murdered for it in in every aspect until he was proven right. Um, to, to stick with his convictions on that and then win a Super Bowl with doing it and doing it his way, uh, again, that was one of the great moments. But the, the top moment that I saw uh, live and the one that just sticks out to me forever, 1992 Bengals-Packers, Brett Favre gets in for an injured Don Mikowski, throws the game-winning touchdown to Kittrick Taylor. I was at that game in that end zone. It's the first game that I remember. I believe it was the first game that I was at as a as a kid, but for for sure it's at least the first game that I remember. Uh, my dad lifts me over his head so I can see the touchdown <laughs> in the back of the end zone, and uh, you know the rest was history with Brett Favre. So uh, sorry that was not a lightning round uh, answer. That was a long, uh, <laughs> elongated, okay. boring answer. But uh, no, I, th- that, those are the moments that have stuck out to me throughout uh, my Packers fandom. Yeah, that was an iffy time for Wisconsin when Brett Favre joined the Vikings. Like, I feel like, like you said, the the state was kind of divided at the time, and I just, personally, I'm more of a a team player rather than, like, a single athlete player. Like, I'm always going to love the Packers, the Bucks, the Brewers, no matter what, no matter what player, like, leaves the team. Like, I'm going to love the team, not the athlete, so... Yeah, that was that was an interesting time, but Yeah, for sure. So this this is another interesting question that came in today. What's the biggest Packer moment that you missed out on? Like that you like didn't see like you were maybe you you know, whatever the case came up, like you didn't get to see it because of something. I think okay, so I mean, I was only six years old at the time. I don't know how old you were when you first remembered like being a Packers fan, like die hard I probably wasn't until like sixth grade that I got into the Packers big time but 2003 when Brett Favre had that that game against Oakland after the after the day after his dad died I really wish I was old enough to actually remember watching that live yeah that's that was just another one of those matches this is a really fun podcast because there's a lot of magical (laughs) things that have happened that I'm enjoying reminiscing um I had two very, you know, huge, semi-huge Packer moments that I missed out on, and I just hate myself for it. And you know, again, uh, I think fans are not going to be too happy with me for either of these. So, <laughs> Packers 49ers regular season. I'm sure you can probably remember this play. Um, Aaron Rodgers to Donald Driver, um, and he breaks like 30 49er tackles on the way to the end zone. Um, and like, I can't even describe the play. Like, he literally broke. Like it was like basically the Marshawn Lynch beast mode of Packer moment, and I was at that game as a fan. I was also very drunk at that game as a fan, and like about four minutes before that play happened, all I thought about was wanting a festy burger from the stands. Oh and no. So- I'm wandering around Lambeau Field, uh, kind of drunk, trying to find a Festy Burger, and I hear the entire crowd erupt, like, in multiple occasions as he's breaking all of these tackles. And finally, like, I find a TV to see the replay of this just amazing Donald Driver moment and realize that I, and, like, I never do this. Like, I never leave the the stands and that I miss this amazing Donald Driver moment because I wanted a Festival Foods hamburger from the concourse. So that was number one. Number two is way worse. So Packers, Seahawks. Uh, the Matt Hasselback, we want the ball and we're going to score. Gonna score, yep. <laughs> I want. I I I, I, go, I watched that game four quarters through intently. I'm in college at this point, and my dorm room at where like all me and all my friends are watching the game is the furthest one away that's from the bathroom. So we I hear the we want the ball and we're going to score. I'm like, all right, the Seahawks are getting the ball first. Like I have the ability to run down, go to the bathroom quick, and run back. And by the time I ran all the way down to the bathroom and ran all the way back from the bathroom, the Al interception had already happened and the Packers had already won the game and I was like so mad that I again this this just epic moment in Packers history because uh yeah whatever so that those were the two biggest moments that I had missed in in my Packers career yeah my second one was the Matt Hasselbeck 2004 game because I think 
all of my like missed moments were before I actually got into the Packers when I wish I would have. Um, cause ever since I got into the Packers, I don't think I've missed like a single game or play other than like a random touchdown that really didn't make or break a game. But yeah, my second one was Matt Hasselback cause at the time I think I was like seven years old and I just like didn't appreciate the Packers at the time. And I, I wish I did at that time, but also my dad loves to tell the story. A moment I'm glad I missed was 1998 or 1999, the Jerry Rice fumble. Oh. We have <laughs> we have a stereo cabinet in our living room, and one of the doors doesn't close anymore because it's broken. Like, it's completely broken. It, it won't shut. It just bounces open every time you try and close it. it was because at the time I was like, two or three years old, my poor sister, she was like six years old, and we were both sitting on the couch, and that play happened, and my dad kicked to the cabinet so hard, it like completely broke, and he said that my sister just looked at him, and she was like scared for her life, because she didn't know why he was upset, like what was happening, and I, like, I was way too young to remember that play, but yeah, I'm glad I was not old enough to remember that one well let's let's play off of that for a minute what's your angriest Packers moment oh god the fail Mary for sure that's mine that's that's exactly (laughs) on my list as well I was so mad because he he caught it MD Jennings yeah yep no you're you're right 100% right and then was it Lance Easley was the referee Lance Easley and Golden Tate caught the pat like Golden Tate caught MD Jennings in his arms, but MG, MG, MD, oh God, I'm getting wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he caught the football, and then Golden Tate caught him. So there's no way it's a touchdown. The Packers won that game, and I was so mad, and it was just a regular season game. I remember I was a sophomore in high school. I, I never slammed doors or anything, but I went up to bed, slammed my door. I'm pretty sure I just, like, sat in bed all night just like so angry and I I clearly remember it was like homecoming week at my high school that that week and sophomores had to wear green for like their color and so everyone wore a Packers jersey the next day and I'm so mad every single time I wore a Packers jersey because I was like I do not want to think about the Packers right now I'm just so mad like I will be on my deathbed and I will be still I'm just so angry about that game. It, I don't know how you can screw up a call that badly. but No, I'm 100% with you. That was my number one on my list as well. And I just think it was such an NFL thing. Like, every year it seems like they have either a new rule or something that they just massively mess up, whether it's, uh, the you know, the pass interference being able to challenge it, whether it's the targeting rule that, you know, cost, you know, the, the Packers-Vikings game that went into overtime because they called the – or the roughing the passer that they were going to emphasize with Clay Matthews and, and, you know, what, two years ago. Like, there's always something in that year, it will, and it always seems to screw the Packers over. That year it was the replacement officials because they didn't want to pay uh, the, the NFL officials what they easily should have been getting paid to begin with. So we've got the, the scab referees, and, like, of course. Like, of course the team that has to bear the brunt of this stupid decision-making, the stupid strike is the Packers with the fail Mary so that they could go on and, you know, then finally pay the refs and get things back to normal. Like, of course the Packers are the ones that had to bite the bullet. So, no, I'm, I'm 100% right there with you. Let's, let's continue down this track. That was, that was our, our angriest Packers moment. Who is your least favorite Packer of all time? Let's get our anger out. I don't know. I feel like it's, it's a pretty basic answer to say Brent. Brandon Bostic, just because of, like, the one play. I feel bad for him because he made one mistake, and he goes down as, like, the one of the least favorite Packers of all time. But, like, that game killed part of me. That's never coming back. But also, okay, so when he was a Packer, I absolutely loved him. But then it was his attitude after he left the Packers, which made me really not like him. And it was Greg Jennings. And I know he's on your honor barely uh, – Jesus Christ. He, your <laughs> your, your other Mount Rushmore. Yep. 
it's just Greg Jennings. Just the the way he talked about Aaron Rodgers, like in interviews, like after he left the Packers, and like how Aaron Rodgers like wasn't a good leader, and like how he was just not a great person. I I don't know. I just didn't like the way Greg Je- Jennings left, like Green Bay, and I because he did so much for us, and I just wish I left him. We left him on happier terms, and I don't know. And then. Yeah, there's all these things about, like, how Greg Jennings, he's, like, talking, like, trash about Aaron Rodgers, and then Charles Woodson is, like, I don't agree with that at all. Like, Aaron Rodgers was a great leader and all this kind of stuff, like, great things about Aaron, and then Greg Jennings just out of nowhere, he just, like, gets so salty towards the Packers, and I just, so, he was such a great player. I just, his personality, I just didn't like after he left the Packers, so... No, I'm 100% with you, and I'm glad you brought it up because that gives me the opportunity to clarify. So my Mount Rushmore's were just based off of their playing days in Green Bay. I know, obviously, Brett Favre has had some off-field issues. Amon Green's had a couple, you know, off-field issues. Um, Greg Jennings has been a total douche since he's left uh, Green Bay. So, like, I totally get those. So I I based mine totally off of, like, in-the-moment type of things and tried not to you know, tried not considering those things, but no, I, I think that's fair. And I think certainly Brandon Bostic is probably public enemy number one. I, you know, I kind of have these in a few different categories. So like Brandon Bostic, and then this is probably before your time, but TJ Rubley was another one who just cost the Packers a game on just a stupid, dumb interception as a third string quarterback. Um, Jimmy Graham and HaHa Clinton Dix are players lately who just did not live up to expectations. Um, yeah. you know, it probably would have been HaHa for me, except the fact that and I know I just said that I'm basing this on, on you know on the field, but for all of his trepidations on the field, Hot Clinton was freaking awesome off the field and continues mm-hmm. to remain awesome off the field in the Wisconsin area, even though he was playing in Chicago and continues to remain outside of the area. So I have a tough time putting him on the list. I just mm-hmm. got to go Martellus Bennett just because he sucked <laughs> on the field. They gave him a massive contract. He sucked off the field. Like, it just was not a, a good Packer. And I think that's probably another one that's kind of low-hanging fruit. But it, that, to me, was just a, a disaster signing all the way around. Yeah, that that whole Bennett thing. I'm just I'm still confused by it cuz I feel like one day he was just like buddy buddy with everyone. Aaron seemed to love him. He seemed to love Aaron and everybody and then just one I don't know, he just seemed to like I get so angry like at the Packers like out of nowhere and I, he I, yeah, I don't I don't even know where to go with him. <laughs> yeah, there's nowhere good to go with it. I think we can agree on that. Um yeah. Let, let's go with this one. What is your biggest Packer fan pet peeve of maybe other fans or just a, a general Packer pet peeve that you have? Yeah, I laughed when when I saw this topic because I feel like I have a lot of pet peeves, but, like, I don't want to be, like, mean. And this doesn't go for all Packers fans. I just want to clarify that. I just feel like a lot of, pe- like a lot of Packers fans – are very negative. Like, they're just negative. If we lose one game, like our first game of the season, we could win five, you'd be five and oh, and then we're five and one. And then like they're like, oh, we're doomed. Like, we're never going to make the Super Bowl. I just feel like they're very negative, very dramatic, and they're just never happy. Like, even with drafting, like, they're, they're just not happy. I don't know. I don't want to be mean, but. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, I, just, I, I don't – like, with whoever we draft, I, I think I make this joke every year during draft, but, like, we could draft Jesus Christ himself, and they would still not be happy. <laughs> and <laughs> they just I'm, – I'm the type of person where if the Packers have, like, a 10 – five to ten percent chance of making the playoffs I'm like okay I'm gonna cling on to that five percent and like root for the Packers to get to the end I'm not trying to like tank for a better draft position I'm not trying to like be strategic into the future I want to win like I want to win I want to make it to the playoffs every single year and I just feel like a lot of fans are just kind of like uh, we suck. We should just, like, lose every single game now. We suck. There's nothing nothing good for us in this season, blah, blah, blah. And it's just so negative. And 
a lot of times, like, during Packers games, I don't even, like, read tweets. I, like, tweet my own thoughts, but I won't read other people's tweets or thoughts because it's just, it's just depressing. Like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people are just, like, they get just way too negative about the Packers. And I'm, like, it's a game, first of all. Like, yes, it's a big part of our lives, but it, ultimately it's a game. Like, just chill out, people. Like, I know it's upsetting to lose, but just, like, calm down. So that's probably my biggest pet peeve. No, that's that's a good one, and I, I'm with you. To me, like, sports is supposed to be fun. Like, if it becomes something that's not fun anymore, like, why would you continue to do it? And I don't know, maybe it's a gambling thing. Maybe the people that are angry are angry because they lost money in the game. Like, I, I legitimately don't know, but, like, to me, sports is an escape, and, and sports is supposed to be fun. And if, if if all of a sudden, like, it was just making me angry anytime they lost or anytime something bad happened, like, I don't want to be a fan. Like, I wouldn't want to be a fan anymore. Like, I, I'm here for the enjoyment and the fun of it. So I, I'm with you there. I, like, my my biggest pet peeve is that I think there's people that realize that don't realize that there's multiple ways to be a fan of the team. And I've wanted to go on this rant for a while, so I figured that, you know, today would be a good day to do it. So, you know, when I was growing up, and this isn't necessarily an age thing, but, like, when I was growing up, I wanted the Packers to win every minute of every game, whether it was a exhibition game, whether it was a regular season game, whether it was whether they were 16-0, and whether they were 0-16, um, whether it was a playoff game, whether it was – uh, the NFC team in the Pro Bowl because Bubba Franks was playing on the team. Like, I did not care if there was a Packer affiliation to it. I wanted that team to win regardless, and I was hardcore about it. And as time went on, and maybe this was just because, I, you know, I, I started analyzing it more or whatever the case may be, I, I don't care as much about week-to-week wins or losses as much as I do about, you know, how they're playing as a whole and how ultimately they're working to get towards winning the Super Bowl. And and, and my point in, in being there is, like, I know, and you kind of brought this up, and I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but, like, there's the people that during the tw- end of 2018 season that wanted to see the Packers, you know, maybe lose – because they wanted to see them get better draft picks and help their team moving forward. And my point being here is that there's different levels and there's different points of being a fan. And, you know, 1995 Andy that was hardcore about every single game and wanted them to win every single quarter of every game had the ultimate goal in mind of having the Packers win a Super Bowl. And 2020 Andy, who is okay with a few wins and losses here and there, is ultimately looking for the best way for the Packers to win the Super Bowl. We still want the same destination. We just have a different idea of how ultimately you know you get there. So I think people have have different ways of viewing a football game and different ways of being a fan. And ultimately my point is that that's okay and that there are different ways to be a fan. And whether you're the person that's like, like I said, like, you know, you want you want them to win no matter what, whether it's the fourth quarter of an exhibition game and they're down 21 nothing, and, you know, and, you know, some backup quarterback that you've never even heard of is in the game. They're wearing that freaking G on their helmet and you want them to win. Like, that's freaking awesome. Like, I hope that they win for you. Like, for me, if they lose, 58 to nothing in a preseason game like I do not care like it doesn't matter to me at all it just doesn't because my goal is for them to win a Super Bowl and what they do in that exhibition game in the fourth quarter does not matter to me one iota whatsoever so like I just think that there's different ways of being a fan and I wish people were more receptive of that because everyone's kind of on the same page that they want their team to win the Super Bowl and ultimately that's the goal for all fans right yeah I agree with that like when I was a few years ago, I I think every single year I take Packers losses even better. And I'm not saying that to, like, degrade the Packers. I'm just saying, like, it's it's just part of the season. Like, you're going to have losses. And, yeah, like you said, I used to be like, they need to be winning every minute of every game. But, I mean, you you got to take losses. Like, a, a, every team does every season, and it's just part of the game. So, I, that's just kind of what annoys me is like people, a lot of fans don't seem to be able to handle loss as well still. So it's just, it's, it's depressing to see like what they have to say after a Packers loss. And like, 
another pet peeve I have is just, like, how cruel some fans can be towards players. Like, I can't tell you how many, like, horrible tweets and comments and, like, even death threats I've seen towards players. And I'm just like, you're crossing the line way too much. Like, this is insane. Like, you need to seek some help. (laughs) Yeah, no, and I think that's a really good point. And, uh, you know, I think ultimately, at the end of the day, like I said, I think it's for fun. It's supposed to be enjoyable. Find a way to enjoy it. Be positive. Like the people that are making death threats to Ty Montgomery after he fumbles a football, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to, to lose a game. Like I, I legitimately cannot understand that or fathom that in any way, shape, or form. Like if that's your if that's your escape that you're going to go on Twitter and make death threats to a player because he fumbled a ball in a game. Like the only thing I can again jump to the conclusion of is like you put way too much money on that game and <laughs> you like you cannot afford the money that you lost from losing the bet on that game and you're trying to take it out on somebody else because you made a piss poor life decision like that's the only thing I can think of and um it's just not what it's about it's you know to me it's about fun and it's about enjoying the game and you know I know I'm a huge hardcore just football nerd and like I could turn on a, a Titans Buccaneers you know fourth quarter preseason game and just be in heaven because I love you know football so I know I'm I'm kind of the you know outside of the norm here but like if, if it if it's getting to be the point of not being fun like what what are you even doing it for like watch movies instead or something like right. there'll be a happy yeah. ending there I promise right all right, last question. Let's get you. Let's get us out of here. How many? I, I know there's a lot of free agency and draft left to go. There's going to be way too many injuries than what we want to see. But going into the 2020 season, 2020, 2021 season, how many pack or how many wins are the Packers going to have this year? Um, definitely double digits for sure. I don't think they're any worse than they were last year. Um, that's a, yeah. That's a, that's a question I. Uh, I would say they would have, well, now they have that new extra game or whatever. That's that's all throwing me off or whatever. Uh, the extra well, game doesn't go into effect until earliest next year. So this, this coming season would still be 16 games. Okay, so I would say a safe bet is 12 and 4. All right, I like it. I love twelve and four. I'll, I'll absolutely take that. I'm gonna go ten and six regular season, um, but okay. I think I think they could be better in the playoffs than the, what they were this last season. I think they could poten- have the potential to be a more complete team. Um, but I think they they got a couple balls to bounce their way this past season. Um, I think maybe they don't get quite as lucky on the injury front. I think they don't maybe get quite as injury or uh, lucky on you know just some games going their way late in the game as they did this past season. So I think they lose a couple more than they did this past season, make it ten and six. But like I said, I think they could actually have more success in the playoffs and be a more complete team than what we saw this last season. So that's where I'm at right now. I agree Carly, with that. This was this was so much fun. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for getting drunk. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for what, having me. I I loved every second of it. So likewise, likewise. What are you? What are your final? Any final thoughts today? Uh, not really. I just I hope Jimmy Graham sucks <laughs> on the Bears. You know. <laughs> he will. Don't worry. You don't have to hope. He will. I hope Nick Foles sucks, and I just want to say, just go back, go. Like I, I don't know. I'm, I'm ready. I hope this coronavirus is gone by September, and I, I just hope for a very happy and healthy season for the Packers. That's all. Very well said. Uh, I couldn't say it any better than that. Go Packers. Screw the Bears. Screw <laughs> Nick Folds. Uh, yeah, no, I think you put it very, very well. Uh, Carly, before we get out of here, where can we follow you on social media? You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carly Churches, C-A-R-L-E-Y-C-H-U-R-C-A-G-S. And that's that's about it. That's <laughs> my right. first last name. So. Carly's a great follow on Twitter and on Instagram, so make sure to give her a follow. Carly, thank you so much for the inspiration for today's episode, that August 2nd, 2018 tweet. Uh, will certainly live on. It's something I continue to think about. I appreciate it greatly. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, for those of you listening, make sure to follow us on Twitter at the Packaday Podcast, or at Packaday Podcast, I should say. Follow me at Andy Herman NFL. Uh, check my writing out at PackerReport.com. I appreciate you listening. Make sure to download and subscribe wherever you can find podcasts. But until next time, and as always, Carly, I'm going to let you finish it off with a big Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.